Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host in New Orleans by mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Here in the studio with me today, I have Chef Octavio Icaza and Miss Jennifer Collins with Nola Cantina. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hey, Amy. I'm so glad that you got to come in, y'all. Octavio is a good friend of mine and is the guy that I call when I go, I need to phone a friend. So <laughs> he's, he's my chef buddy that I always... Helps me out of a bind. So I was, I'm was. i really happy to be able to uh, help talk about the new restaurant project that he's working on. But, um, you know, whenever I saw Nola Cantina, I thought, hmm, okay, New Orleans, Cantina. Okay, we have a new Mexican restaurant opening in New Orleans. And for my listeners out there, I have been corrected that there is a very big difference between what Nola Cantina <laughs> is doing and kind of my idea of the um, bright yellow cheese queso and chips of my childhood. So <laughs> tell me, Chef Octavio, what is the difference between what y'all are and these, you know, restaurants of our childhood? Um, so I suppose the main difference is that we're... Uh, an updated version, if you will. Um, so we're we're foregoing some of the tired, uh, outdated sort of, you know, classic things that you're used to seeing on menus, uh, uh, and we're foregoing them for more deliberately and intentionally crafted dishes. So instead of getting the option of having, for example, enchiladas with beef or pork or chicken or shrimp, and then the same sides for all of them. Uh, where you end up essentially having the same flavors across the board, across the entire menu. Uh, you know, our menu is much smaller, and we're definitely taco-focused. About 50% of our menu is just tacos. And they're, like I said, they're, there's not a bunch of sub-options. They're very specifically, you know, intentionally designed recipes and plate-ups for the tacos. Um, and so there is some traditional Mexican flavors in that sense, uh, but not all the like boring kind of traditional options. So, well, so let's let's talk about that word crafted because you know I think we're starting to see um, words like that pop up, and um, you know I like the idea that it's not the same flavor. I want to eat off of my husband's plate, and I want him to order something completely different exactly. than what I'm ordering. And he always orders the chicken. I always <laughs> order the beef. And when that happens, it's not that exciting to be able to lean over with my fork and go, hey, baby, give me a bite, because it's, it's the same, the same sauce. Right. It's just a matter protein. of whether or not the sauce is on top or the sauce is inside. Right, exactly. So what are... <laughs> flavors that go into a crafted menu? So some of them for the tacos specifically are uh, very traditional. So um, I learned about uh, the like ground beef taco here in the States, right? Yes. When I moved, after I moved here from Ecuador, that was the first time that I'd seen a uh, super traditional ground beef taco. And this whole idea of putting sour cream and cheddar on it which is super and the, American. And the single black olive, right? <laughs> right. And yeah, like the three tomato cubes and the one black olive, right. Uh, but, you know, that comes from picadillo, which is a real Mexican thing and, and actually is eaten as a taco there. So we are doing a ground beef taco, but it's definitely going to be a picadillo, you know, in, in a traditional style. And you know, obviously we're making our own food and cooking our own things and adding our own seasonings versus like a McCormick taco seasoning packet to it, you know? Um, so... We're not dispensing with the traditional 
but on uh, you know alongside of that, we are having some stuff like um, we did a tasting last Saturday for the principals and the managers, and we tested our oyster taco, and we are dredging the oysters in uh, masa, but it's heavily flavored with cumin. And then we're doing like some matchsticks uh, of green apple, you know, and uh, that sort of flavor combination is, it it's, might even sound a little off. It was uh, so but good. <laughs> it, uh, it works really well, and it's a good taco, and, you know, it encompasses like we're big into oysters here in town, and I'm big into cumin, and, you know, we combine all of those things, and it's a taco very much. So it's definitely a taco. It's in taco format, but it's got a couple of local things. You know, we have another one that's a shrimp that has uh, merloton in the taco, for example. And so, you know, this idea of combining geographic locations and availabilities without going so far as to call it fusion or yes. mishmashing things, you know, it's We're more just, just kind call of it delicious. putting things alongside <laughs> each other and letting them play nicely together. So let's talk about this, because when I think um, it, here in New Orleans, if somebody is like, I'm opening a po' boy place, you know, we have very specific rules, <clears throat> you know, what kind of bread, what can go in it is no, that's a hoagie. That's not a po' boy. That's a sandwich. So when you're saying we're making a taco bar <coughs> business here. We're opening a taco bar and we're going to have tacos. What is the rule to qualify it as a taco? Um, I'm not big into rules. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I haven't really thought about that. Um, but basically, and what I tell the my cooks when we're working and everything is, uh, you know how when you get your tacos lots of places, they're all folded up and kind of schleppy looking? Um, we present, we serve all of our tacos flat. And so I, I tell the cooks that what we, what I want them to do is to imagine that the actual tortilla is a plate. Yes. And then we build really pretty, you know, obviously it's delicious, right? It's, in my mind, it's understood that the food is really good. And then we go through the trouble of making it look really nice. So we serve the taco flat. If you go to a taco bar and you order a taco and you get a taco that's flat and you don't know what to do with it, uh, you know, that's that's your loss. I imagine that if you order a taco and it comes flat, you know to pick it up and fold it. Uh, but that allows it to be a lot prettier. And so I essentially tell the crew to imagine that we're serving like an oversized amuse or a small appetizer, just, you know, plated up on the tortilla. Um, and that generally requires the cooks to slow down enough that they actually have to think about what's going on in there and everything. And it a lot of the, the, the cooks that I have right now are uh, they're incredible, very highly trained cooks, you know. And so to do away with this idea that tacos are just kind of like fast and sloppy, I have them work on their plating the way they're used to working on their plating. You know, I've got guys that are coming from Kavan and Green Goddess and Maypop and, you know, Butcher and Koshan and all these really high-end restaurants around town. Uh, I don't want to waste their talents. And so we just translate them from normal plate up to these tacos we're doing. I guess that's the rule is obviously delicious and then play them up really neatly. And, you know, there's something about when you get a, a dish and it's served in front of you, knowing what's in it, you know, because if I get a sandwich where the bun is on top or I get a taco where it's folded over, the first thing I do is open it up. Check it out. Because I want to see what's in it. I want to see how it looks. Well, that's not the, the best way that the chef wants to present his food is whenever you open up the smushed taco. So it makes perfect sense that, 
You can see what's on the plate. You can see what the ingredients are. They're all identifiable. And then there's something about eating with your hands and connecting with your food and touching it that you're the one that gets to smush it all together. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was taught when I I was a young cook that um, part of what you pay for when you order food at an establishment is – the right to destroy a beautifully composed thing. Uh, that's a very <laughs> clever way to put it. Yeah. We spent a lot of time working on it, and you get to go, ooh, pretty. And I guess these days, photograph it and then <laughs> smash it and eat it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, so, Jennifer, we've been talking to Chef a lot, but I know that whenever you open a taco bar, it's more than just tacos because there's the bar part. And... um Let's talk a little bit about what y'all are doing that is different in the area and uh, what is going to be happening in the bar. Okay. Well, I know we are, um, of course, we're going to be concentrated on tequila, you know, since we're a taco bar, (laughs) that we're going to have plenty of different tequilas. We're going to have at least 25 to 30 uh, different tequilas. And we're going to be making craft cocktails with tequila. So I know a lot of different places have, you know, bourbon and vodka. And, of course, we will have those other alcohols. But our main focus will be the tequila. And we will be making all of our, um, you know, our syrups, our sour mix, everything from scratch. Well, you know, as soon as you told me, oh, we're going to have tequila, I thought, "Uh uh-oh. Because there's always the, the one person in your group who remembers, you know, their 21st birthday night, and their first tequila sunrise <laughs> and the tequila himself. shots. And it was like the the $3 bottle and all you can drink special. And they go, oh, I can never drink tequila again. And you realize that the tequila that you may have had your first tequila experience on when you were on a college budget was very different than what is available to us now, both with our, you know, maybe our budget, but also with the availability of what, what selection we have. So talk about if one of you will talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, like that, that, that junky tequila and the good stuff and how there's a flavor profile difference in different tequilas. I, I think, I mean, obviously Jennifer can elaborate on it, but I think it's as simple as, you know, um, when, when we were younger, either because of budget or, you know, lack of experience, let's say, uh, our drinking habits were very differently, worked very differently than they do now. You know, yeah. Um, like, I still drink PBR, and I like it, but I also know about all kinds of other beers now and enjoy those, too. If you gave me an IPA when I was 22, I'd have spit it out. You know, I didn't want that. If you gave me olives when I was nine, I didn't want that either. Now, I really like both of those things, you know? And so, for anybody who drank a bottle of Jose Cuervo when they were in college, <laughs> I would say, just think about the fact that at some point, you probably didn't like Brussels sprouts, and now you look <laughs> for restaurants that make Brussels sprouts specifically. Right. We're going to have a lot of different, um, like I said, high-end tequilas. We're going to have, like, m- different mezcals. And um, we're also going to have, as far as, like, you know, not just your traditional salt, like with the rim, we're going to have, um, I think it's like a tamarind type, um, like a sugary powder stuff. Like somebody, um, like the owner, 
had uh, had something like that she would eat every day after school. She said she's from the West Coast. Yeah, and the chamoy seasoning. Yeah, so we're going to be, you know, using all these traditional, you know, Mexican-type um, candy, you know, like ground candy, powdered candy to put on the rim. So we just have a lot of different neat, you know, ingredients that are going to, you know, change and not make it just your traditional you know, tequila that will make you sick. <laughs> but one of the you know, fun... Do you know I have not had chamoy. It's so cool. I bet you, you have. Okay. So when you buy, like, uh, green mangoes, like, slivers or whatever on the street, you buy, like, a bag of fruit bits, it comes with this little, like, uh, shaker. And it's got, like... It's like a, it looks like Tony's actually, okay. but it's sugar and it's mm-hmm. got some chili powder and some tamarind powder right. and oh, a bunch I of other stuff, and that's that. what normally goes like on the fruit. So you can do that as a rim, but they also are taking that, take that and make it a sauce, and it's like a fruit compote, and it goes on, you know, whatever fruits you want. But it's a really cool thing to you rim, know, the, rim glass. the glass with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever you, when I've had different tequilas or had the opportunity to taste a tequila next to a mezcal, almost like you would in a wine tasting where Mm -hmm. you you taste those different flavor profiles, you know, it's really fun, I would imagine, you know, as you're crafting cocktails or food to be able to use those components to help adjust the flavor, whether it's a smokiness that you're bringing out or an herbal flavor that you're bringing out. Um, what are some of the drinks that we might get to have? Are we allowed to talk about it yet? Because I know y'all aren't open yet. I just, you know, we're, we are in the process of making the, cra- the the cocktail list up as far as some of the ingredients. Um, we are tweaking some of them actually right now. Uh, we did the tasting on Saturday and I was by the time we were finished with the tasting, I could barely hold my eyes open. I was so drunk. But so the so. answer is we don't taste all of them. We just come back to the restaurant multiple times Correct. and every time we get to have a different one. Exactly. <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit. Um, let's kind of shift back to food and let's talk a little bit about tortillas because um you know, we'll see things where people are like, oh, we make our own tortillas. Then we'll see, oh, no, we buy our tortillas from this amazing person. And then there's the whole debate of do I want a corn tortilla? Do I want a flour tortilla? Which one is right and which one do I love the most? So, <laughs> Chef, talk a little bit about the tortilla situation. Um, all right. So first and foremost, our tortillas will not be made in-house. Um it would, it would, doesn't make sense to go through all of that time, trouble, and cost if somebody else can make them faster and better. And more delicious, yes. Right. So I have no, no shame in outsourcing things that I can't do better than someone else. Um, actually, that's a really, I got that from that's David a- Chang. He wrote it in, in the Momofuku cookbook. He talks about the steam buns and people would give him a hard time about not making his own steam buns. And he was like, why would I when Miss so-and-so up the street in Chinatown is killing it and, you know, the kitchen I have is tiny, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I, I learned quickly to get rid of that shame. Um, I've always enjoyed the, a brand called La Bandera, and we're going to go with corn tortillas. Um, you know, I, I suppose if you really, really want a flour tortilla, you could swap it up, but most people these days uh, are in some way or another have an issue with gluten. Um, but even beyond all that, I like what we do with the tortillas, which is we take two of them together and then we put them on the flat grill and we grill both sides. And so they're just thick enough that 
um, when you're cooking one side, it starts to steam and it connects to the other one. So we do a corn tortilla, but it's uh, thicker, fluffier, and it gets to crunch on the outside and then be like, have that nice kind of chew on the inside that almost bread or flour tortillas do. So we can get that effect on the corn by doubling up the tortillas and kind of doing this inside steam move. And I would imagine the corn is enhancing the flavor of the rest of the dish. I think corn, I don't think flour tortillas really taste like very much. They're just good vessels, you know? And so, yeah, the corn definitely does that. What the corn also really does is it, um, the corn emits a really awesome aroma of toasted corn, which you just totally miss out on when you have flour tortillas. That all being said, one of the f- most fun items, I think, that we have on the taco side of things. Would it happen to be a flour tortilla dish, Chef? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It was definitely a flour tortilla taco. Um, but the the actual dish itself is actually a legit Mexican thing. Um, I did a bunch of research on it when we were looking at the menu, obviously, and a friend of mine gave me the idea he told me that he used to eat gringas every day when he was in Mexico, which sounds like a really funny joke. Mm-hmm. But then I looked into it, and there actually is a style of taco called gringas. And food origin stories are weird and elaborate and funny, but what I've gathered is that um, there were indeed two American ladies, uh, I guess in college, doing an exchange semester or something like that. Uh, and they would go to the taqueria, and they would order the tacos that they would ask to have them with the flour tortillas instead of the corn tortillas. And the dudes making them were like, well those already have cheese in between them. That's going to be for our quesadillas. And the white girls were like, yeah, that sounds great. I'll take it. So they started making them that way. And then, of course, people saw it, wanted you know, wanted to try it too, and, and became an actual staple. Uh, it's rather popular, actually, in northern Mexico or northeastern Mexico. Um, so the original filling for the Gringas Taco is El Pastor. And I'm not sure if everybody knows, but El Pastor... The rule, specifically the for rules. Al Pastor, oh, is that uh, it goes on a spit. And, at, you know, Al Pastor tacos were spit cooking was introduced to Mexico by Turkish immigrants. And then the Mexicans took the same model and put their own flavors on it and made Al Pastor tacos. And so to really, really make Al Pastor tacos, you need a, a vertical rotating spit. I don't have one of those. Uh, what you need that for is because it's the only way that you can get the meat to char exactly yeah. the way you want it to. Now, we don't have one at the restaurant because we were only going to have one dish with Al Pastor. And like we were talking about earlier, we didn't want to just put Al Pastor meat in a bunch of different formats. So I couldn't justify buying the big spit. Right. Uh, but what I did buy was a blowtorch instead. Because, <laughs> and, and because chefs love fire, <laughs> why well, not? Because particularly in this case, and this is kind of, I guess, uh, a way that we think about the food. So in the Al Pastor, you want the char flavor and it's charred meat with pineapple. Since we can't char the meat and we're braising it instead, what I am doing is burning the heck out of these pineapples with blowtorch and infusing the char flavor into the pineapple, which goes on your taco. And so it looks really cool. And then as you eat it, your brain is experiencing all that flavor combination. Right. Uh, So, you know, creative in that sense, but obviously very much keeping it 
you know, like a traditional Mexican taco dish. Uh, but that is the only one on the menu that's specifically a flour tortilla. What I really liked whenever I and y'all, they open on it the first week of November. So the menu is still in tasting and testing. And so Chef Octavio gave me a little secret peek and he's like, you can't tell anybody, but here's your little secret peek. So I got a little <laughs> secret peek. But one of the things that I think is important when I'm eating a dish, whether it's a taco dish or any dish, is the combination of textures, the salt, the tart, the crisp, all of those things. So if maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about how you compose the like right amount of elements the to kind of balance, mm-hmm. like the heat, the sweet, the crunch. You know, if you have braised meat, are we adding a raw vegetable? How does that work? Um. So, so um, you know, there's a lot of flavors, but there is a limited number of tastes. Right, and we talk about the four tastes, which now have become five, and a sweet, sour, salty, and bitter, and then this umami that people talk about. Right, actually, right now uh, there are scientists that are doing research on fat, and they're proponents for fat being the sixth. I taste agree with sensation. that. I support that conclusion. And I also agree with that. Um, so, all that being said, basically, there's these five, six. Flavors, right? And we're I gonna feel say like, six uh, because we support fat. Cool. There's these six flavors, and I feel like if three or more of those with a textural element are in the taco, then that's good. I like puzzles, and so I like to think of things as such. And so, for a taco to be right in my mind, if you will, um, you know, it should have these things. So, uh, let's see. Let's talk about. Um, okay, here's a good one. We can talk about this taco that's uh, like a puerco pibil. Right? So pibil is just this marinade, right? And traditionally it's cochinita pibil, which means that it's a cochon de lait, but we're actually just going to use pork butts, not cochon de lait, right? right? So we're calling it puerco pibil. Um, it's got a really funny movie reference to Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Uh, Johnny Depp's character goes to all these restaurants, and uh, his job is to maintain the balance. And so if he goes somewhere and that dish is too good, he like he has to kill the chef. <laughs> to maintain the balance <laughs> in the town because that's too good. For some reason, I understand why you're drawn to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I do. I did this this taco, right? Uh, and so, and it's not traditionally a taco. So I took the puerco pibil dish and put it onto a taco, and that's got the pork, which is marinated, and it's got a sour orange, like a mojo style uh, braising liqueur, right? So you're getting your fat from the pork, and it's doing this cool thing I like, which is immediately mixing in with your acid. Yes. You've got the acid and the fat kind of hanging out together in the soft pulled pork meat. Uh, then we're doing a, uh, a slice, uh, a slice, I was going to say slab, <laughs> but that sounds weird. Uh, a bit, a slice, a chunk of uh, sweet fried plantain. Okay. So what we do is we fry that pretty hard uh, and then we kind of smash it and it makes a flat layer, right? And so the taco starts with your double corn tortillas. It gets a uh, black bean puree, which we make, which is... Just a little nicer than refried beans. You know, refried yeah. beans kind of get stuck on the roof of your mouth. Yeah. This puree's got a little more fat in it and some different, like, actual aromatics, like onions and garlic and stuff. So it's more of a puree. So you start with that, right? So you've got the very savory. And then there you've got some spices. You've got some paprika and some cumin, right? And the paprika's got maybe some smoke on it. You've got a bunch of flavors lining up. But what you've got so far is the crunchy shell, uh, the savory black beans, the sweet fried plantain, the slightly sour and fatty pork, 
and then he gets just for pop like some ground cotija cheese on top and so that kind of almost like uh like when you eat food and it's got pepper in it and every once in a while you catch just a little chunk a of little, pepper and yeah. it's just like a little too big but it's kind of exciting anyway right so it has these little tiny like peppered bits of the cheese around it that kind of elevate the savory salty aspect of it but that's how I think about the Don't kill the view. chef. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I love that. And, you know, a lot of, for us as diners, it's exciting to know what the thought process was right. behind how the food got to the menu. And what you just shared is that whole process, almost the creative, artistic process that mm-hmm. brought that to your plate. So we only have a little bit of time left so i want to just have y'all tell everybody where you're located when you're open um tell them the name all that good stuff again and I, yeah i wanted to mention too that we are going to have live music so we you know we're excited about that and um also what which i didn't mention with the cocktails was we're going to have sangria a awesome. really nice sangria so we're going to and we're going to do uh saturday what is it three dollar sangria saturdays so um and then we're going to have a DJ as well. So as far as music goes, we're going to have a bunch of different types of music. Um, we are going to be open at 4 p.m. till 2 a.m., Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday we're going to open at noon. So And still a rental 2 a.m. That's uh, something that I, <clears throat> I can't believe I didn't mention. Uh, we, Late night. we have our regular right. menu during the day, uh, and then we have a late-night menu. Uh, and I'm, we're working right now, I'm, I'm designing a, a cart, like an actual, the exact same thing you would see, uh, like in the DF in Mexico on a corner. I'm having one of those built, and we're going to actually sling food out of it at night. Like, um, another thing, well, the location is uh, 437 right. Esplanade. It's right where Esplanade and Frenchmen meet. And if anybody's not familiar with that, one of the things that's incredible about it is this courtyard. There's this gigantic, huge, beautiful, mm. closed-in, you know, patio. lots of foliage, mm-hmm. palm trees, banana trees. It's this really, really, really dope patio. Um, and it's, it's you know, aside from the park, I suppose, it's the best outdoor seating spot on Frenchman Street, which is really nice. So we're going to have the cart selling late night, and we are going to sell food until 2 in the morning. Uh, which is so if you work late really cool, in the service industry, the hotel so industry, hospitality, <laughs> uh, on by, there's absolutely. good food that mm-hmm. you can get after work and uh, um, still kind of enjoy the beautiful weather that we're going to have in the next few months. So. Take it all in and listen to some good music while you're at it. <laughs> so y'all, uh, Nola Cantina, they're at 437 Esplanade. They're looking at opening the first week in November. And I did get an insider scoop too that. Starting um, after the new year, there's going to be a locals-only day. So they're, keep an eye on their website, uh, nolacantina.com, so you can get more scoop on it. But uh, thank you, Chef Octavio. Thank you, Jennifer, thank for you. joining us today. You've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao. 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 <laughs>